Welcome to A Piece of Me. I'm Aviva Breda. This podcast will explore all of the pieces that make up who we are and all of the things that make us special, unique, and different. And we're going to debunk the just that we have in our lives. You're just this. You're just that. You're not just anything. I'll start. Here's a piece of me. Hi, hi, hi. Welcome to today's episode of A Piece of Me. Today, I am joined by Tamar Hersko. Tamar is a mom, wife, entrepreneur, personal trainer, dog lover, dreamer, and all-around free spirit. Recently, Tamar and her family took a leap of faith and moved across the world to Israel. While I miss seeing her smiley, cheery face around town, I am thrilled that I get to follow her journey on her Instagram page. Tamar, welcome to the show. Wow. What an introduction. (laughs) That's like, wow. Okay. I feel so happy. I'm glad. I hope I'm all those things. You are and more and so much more. Uh, The way I like to start every one of my podcasts is by sharing a piece of me that is special, different, or unique. And then we will get, try to get you to do the same. So my name is a palindrome. My name is spelled the same backwards and forwards, A-V-I-V-A or A-V-I-V-A. Cool. Your turn. My turn? Something interesting? Something just, you know, different about you. Something, it can be anything, silly, anything. Oh God, because we're going to have to like pause the recording. Don't worry. Something silly about me or whatever. Something special. Something special. I, I, when I, when I want, someone asked me a question, they said, if you could do anything in your life, what would you do? And I said, anything that I wanted to do in my life, I did or am doing. So I really like to just go for things that inspire me or just if, if I have any sort of inkling that I want to do something, I just, it has to be done. Like I can't wait for any bucket lists. The bucket list is today, you know? So I think, I guess that would be something that might be somewhat unique about me is that I just, I like to get it done. Mark off those bucket lists. That's a really, really special trait. Not everybody can say that. And I see just from the time that I know you that that is definitely something that you do. Um, I've been watching your surfing journey and um, I see that, that um, you really just go for it in life with everything. So let's go back to the beginning. Tell us um, where you're from, where you grew up, just about All yourself right, so in general. Originally, OG Tamar is from Staten Island, New York, you know. But then I, I, <laughs> I moved to Teaneck when I was about 10 years old. And I've lived there ever since. And... Um, I got married and I still lived in Teaneck for past 14 years, almost 15 years. That's what's, I don't know. (laughs) Do you have kids? I have three kids, two dogs and a husband, not in any particular order. (laughs) (laughs) I promise. What did you, um, what did you train to do in life or what did you go ahead? Really, I grew up with my mom being a personal trainer. So when I was like in my teenage years, I really would, she would always have clients in our basement in our house. And I just remember her going to Israel to visit my brother who lived here. 
and she would ask me if I would take over her clients. And it was so funny because it just naturally came to me, the whole personal training thing. So that's really sort of um, what I guess I was like bred in some way to do. And um, because it was just very natural and I loved it, I continued it throughout my whole life, throughout my career. I always went back to personal training, even if I, you know, I always had like a million jobs. I was that, that kid who had a million jobs. I was a waitress. I was a florist. I was a, a, um, a financial recruiter. That's a whole story. Which yeah. I don't, I don't even know how I got that job. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know. Um, but I always went back to personal training. And so that's really like, really what I'm about at the end of the day. Did you get, um, certification? You have all of that for personal yeah, training? Yeah, of course. And yeah, you I always uh, got recertified, recertified, recertified. I, I love the personal training more than like group fitness. That's really been like my specialty. I've always wanted to get people to learn to love fitness. It was important for me to, you know, people, people would come to me and they would be like, oh, tomorrow I want to, you know, I want to lose X amount of weight or I, I, I need to be prepared for my so-and-so's bar mitzvah or wedding or whatever the case may be. And I was always said, you know what? It's great to have goals, but it's also great to learn to enjoy something before anything else, because that's really the secret sauce. If you, if I can teach you to love exercising, and I know maybe people are rolling their eyes at that, like who the heck likes roll, like uh, exercising? Um, not many people. But really, if you learn the the foundations and and if you just enjoy the experience, then fitness will always be a part of your life and all those goals will come throughout, throughout time. I think that's a very good point because that is definitely something that I've come to later in life. I always exercised because I had to and I hated it and it was terrible. And I think yeah. when you find the thing that you love and that works for you, it's not about it, there was definitely a shift for me and it became not about, you know, looking a certain way or whatever. It was about doing something that I know is good for me and I enjoyed and I feel good. Yeah. And that's such an important part. And I think that's a really important thing that you um, focus on with your clients. So when you graduated college, what did you do? Yeah. What was like? By the skin of my teeth, I tell you, <laughs> by the skin of my teeth. I actually messaged my math teacher. Okay. And I said, it was my last class that I had to pass in college is math. And he, I'm like, I, this is the last class I need to graduate. Please, whatever you could do. What I get, <laughs> I got minus and I graduated college. Okay. School was never, never my thing. So if I could do it, I think anyone could do that. I tell that <laughs> to my children all the time. I'm like, what it's a very valuable uh, piece of advice. And it's so yeah. funny. I find so many of the people that I've gotten to meet and talk to on this, on this podcast have said very similar things. I think that a lot of entrepreneurs and people who have their own dreams and their own journeys are people who weren't necessarily typical, you know, like school kids. Um, and I mean, they, it's a big it's like compensation. Like we really... I really had to find other ways to get ahead. <laughs> and uh, I did. Thank God. So what was, what was your first job out of college? Like your first real job? Well, okay. My first real job. <laughs> I really had so many jobs. I'm not even playing with you. Even in college, I was a waitress at Sushi Mitsuyan. I told you I was a florist for Adam LaFell. Remember, you know, the LaFell sure. I was. Oh my God. Good times. Like you did the arrangements and everything. 
I, yeah, I helped them with the arrangements. But actually, my first real job, I was, um, I sold ad space for Bergen County um, Magazine, you know, like 201 Bergen County yeah. Magazine. Sure. I sold ad space in Westchester. I don't, again, I don't know why they gave me the job because I, you know, I was an internship. I just, I think I just worked my personality, you know, I dazzled them a little. And then they were definitely disappointed because they totally fired me. <laughs> And I was totally fine with that too. I was like, okay, bye. On to the next one. Didn't really let me get, get me down too bad. So when did you start really focusing mainly on personal training? It was always something that you did, but when was when did that become like your main? Did it ever? Did That's you a really good question. Because okay, so with personal training, I guess I kind of got really into it again. Um, after my children were born and I felt a little bit more stable in life. Did you stay home with them when they were little? Um, mostly. Yeah. I worked in uh, fifth Avenue preschool as a, as a teacher's assistant. Is there anything you haven't done? Did you work <laughs> in a gas station? No, but I just learned how to pump my gas here in Israel, which is a big feat. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, after that, I realized, you know, this is something that I think this is like my something that I just because it be, because it's oh, my God, I can't speak. You're gonna have to edit this part. No, don't worry. You know, they say that the thing that comes most natural to you that you feel is no big deal is usually the thing that you should be doing in life. So I was thinking a lot on that. And I said, you know what? I always come back to training. There's something about being with someone one-on-one. -on -one. It's like a really vulnerable, beautiful experience. And I really wanted to give that attention. Really, I wanted, I wanted to give it a real go. And I did. I created the, um, the Girl Gang Boot Camp, which I would um, gather a bunch of girls every Sunday. We would go to the park and we would you know, do something every Sunday for about like half an hour. I got a bunch of clients. Thank God. I really manifested like my powers and I just said, okay, just get one client. And thank God that one client referred me to another client. And it just became a love fest of all my clients. It's something that is really very special personal training, you know, when you are all in. Do you go to your own personal trainer? So actually, this is the first year in my whole life that I've ever gone to a personal trainer. Hmm. But, and it's really fun not to think about it, you know, just to go and learn from someone else. So did you always- But I did go to CrossFit for five years. Oh. I never worked out on my own ever. I hate working out on my own. It's the worst thing ever in the whole world. I don't <laughs> know how anyone does like online, online things. Yeah. Because I get my energy from other people. Right. You know? When I'm alone, I'm very like low energy. So when I see someone, I just instantly am like excited. So working out alone does not do anything for me. And, I don't know. and are you What's enjoying, <laughs> are you, no, no, it's good. Are you enjoying having someone tell you what to do so you can kind of take all of the like thinking part yeah, out of it? For sure. It's actually interesting because when I moved here, I said, you know what? I'm not going to train. I gave myself some time to just not do that yeah i find as much as training is amazing it's you you do take on a lot of people's energy and sometimes 
that's a lot. Yeah. And the first year that I'm here, I just, I didn't have space for that kind of like energy for other people. I needed really to give that to my kids and my husband and my dogs last. <laughs> <laughs> um, before, yeah, before so- you guys moved, um, one of the things that you did here was you opened your own store an activewear store, which I was a huge fan of and I miss very much. And I have all my vintage Tallulah activewear bags. (laughs) So tell us how you got there. Okay, well, I knew for a while that I wanted to break into the fashion scene in terms of athleisure because there was a moment where athleisure wasn't even a thing. And I actually felt it. I felt it coming. And I created (laughs) an account called Dirty Old Tea. And that was my personal trainer's name and everything. And I started to just be really into the whole athleisure wear thing. And um, it just became a really natural transition for me to want to move into clothing um, and fitness. It just made a whole lot of sense. And so actually at the same time, I was aching to come to Israel. I was pining to come to Israel. And it really wasn't working out for me at all. It It was a really stressful time in my life where, as I said, I'm a bucket filler, you know, I'm a bucket list checker offer and I needed to get to Israel and I couldn't. I was extremely irritating, frustrating. I didn't know what to do. I was depressed. I got a dog because dogs make everything better. And then I got another one, but yeah. (laughs) Did you want to get to Israel to live or just to visit at that point? I really wanted to live in Israel. Have you always wanted to live in Israel? I would, no, not always, but in the past, like, I would say eight, eight years or so. What, what do you think prompted that? You know, I'm in the middle of like 25 questions and I didn't yes. answer one of them. Okay. It's all good. Me, it's not you. That's it's how the conversation me. goes. Okay. So let me, let me start over. So with Tallulah, this all goes back to Tallulah. So I was really in a funky place, like a bad and um, a neighbor of mine who I was really close with, she moved away and that put me in like a very bad headspace also. So I'm like, everyone's moving. How come I can't move? It was like one of those feelings, which I've never experienced before. Not a jealous person per se, but it was just watching someone else like take my dreams and, yeah. and I couldn't, you know, do that. So my sister said something very wise to me. She's like, Tamar, you need to learn to water your own grass wherever you are in the world. You need to find happiness within yourself. And, and that's just that no matter where you move, it's not really going to make you a happier person per se. Um, so I said, you know what? You're right. That's when I said, you know, I'm going to start Tallulah because I got to do this. It's in my head and I have to, I have to bring it to life. So slowly, 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 I, I figured out the ropes of how to open up a little store. I think that I was smart in the way that I did it because I opened up, um, like in a small office, it was like, almost like an appointment, you know, by appointment only ish type of thing. Cause my hours were so ridiculous. They were like from, I don't know, 11 to two, they were like so stupid the hours, but thank God people came. Cause I was still also personal training. So I had to work around that schedule also. And then after like a year and a half or something, it came to a point where I said, okay, tomorrow you need to scale, either make this tool up bigger right? Or you need to close up shop. And someone said to me, I went to a business mentor and he's like, if you're going to make X amount of dollars in the next five years, are you going to be happy? 
And I was thinking, oh my God, in five years, am I still going to be here in five years? You know, and that really started weighing on me. And at that point I had an epiphany and I just said, I said, tomorrow you need to close up shop. It's time, it's time to just make Israel happen because you don't want to be here for the next five years. You just don't. And that's really at that point, I knew that Israel was going to happen one way how, or another. How long was Tallulah open for? Like a year and a half. And it closed in November and COVID hit in March, which is crazy. That was very fortuitous. Hashem, Hashem, Hashem knows all. I have a, a, a lot of Amuna and Hashem. Did you enjoy having Tallulah? Was it like a good, a good space for you, a good outlet for what you felt was missing? Tallulah was everything I ever could have wanted. It was so fun. I had Miriam who would, you know, uh, why, why can't I think of her last name right now? Wartman. Thank you. Start this over. I had Miriam Wartman come in every day. She was such a huge help to me. And uh, we had the best time. And everyone who came in was like, oh, I remember always opening the door. Be like, oh, you know, I was always so happy to see someone because I, I couldn't believe that someone was always there. Every was, time someone came like, It was so fun to be there. Like, even when you would just come in to buy a pair of leggings, be like, how, how have I been here for an hour and a half? Like, what's happening? Oh my God, I felt so bad about that. Every time someone came in, it was like a whole session. It was a therapy session. <laughs> so many things I found out in that store. I'm sure. Oh, it was <laughs> It was great. It's almost like a training session. Yeah. But, you know, so clothing, retail. So you, after a year and a half, you made the decision to close. Um, yes. Was that, was that difficult for you financially? Um, so I, I think that I got out at a really good time where I really did not lose that much. I almost broke even, I would like to say. And then I went to the hangout and I sold all of my other stuff. <laughs> and that was like the best time of my whole life. We did a whole live for like $20 off everything, like on I everything. remember that. that was so I, I made back some good money. So thank God I didn't really invest. I was, I was trying so hard not to overspend. And uh, so what, what do you think made eight years ago or whenever you decided like, okay, I need to move to Israel. This is where my future is. What was that? What was that shift? What made you decide that? I know your parents are here. You have two siblings here and yeah. one in Israel here, in America. Sorry, where I am. <laughs> I just started seeing my future a lot clearer. You know, eight years ago, I was a completely different person. My kids were, you know, so much younger. And now, you know, when you grow older and wiser and your kids start getting older, you really start to see, you know, different paths that you can take as a family. And I just did not feel the path staying there was right for me and, you know, my husband and my kids. It just wasn't where I had envisioned. And I just, it was timing also, like, I really just felt like the time was now, you know, as before I was really the aggressor in the, yeah. in the situation. And I still was up to the day I moved. My husband's like, are you sure you want to do this? want to put your son in the army. You want, like he was really going at me hard, which I appreciated, you know, because sometimes was, you need a good reality. Was he like not on board and it took time to convince him or like he was always kind of with you, but not the, like the one to push. Um, not on board. I would say <laughs> not on board. Okay. Like vacation fun, you know, but 
he was a real he's a realist in the sense that there you know there's a lot of things that ha that could happen here and they are happening now right you know in some ways so um and he kept saying you want to put your kids in the army you want to put your kids in the army that was like a hard one that i had to combat but at the end of the day i mean i always say the same thing to him and to my kids you know i personally feel like israel is safer than any country because it's you know people are looking after us and everyone here is looking after each other and yeah. state. but um but it is an honor to to be a part of the idf and that's why we, you know, we raise our children to to have Israel and to protect it as best as we can. You know, that's been in the Bible for a million trillion years. So for sure, what would you say when it when it came down to okay, we're really going? What was the biggest hurdle? I know you had a hard time with your dogs and making sure uh, they could get there, but what was like the hardest thing about taking that like? Not, you know, making the it hardest thing vision. hands down is telling is saying it out loud. That's the hardest thing. The moment you decide is one thing. And then to tell other people who you are close with, who will have opinions about it, who's yeah. going to like project their, their disappointment or their sadness on you and, and also combating your own sadness, but also being extremely excited is so confusing yeah. for everyone. You know, it's confusing for the person because they want to be happy for you, confusing for yourself because you want to be happy for yourself, but you understand that they're experiencing this loss and you're experiencing loss too. So I would say that just saying it out loud to everyone and it's everyone. Yeah. And you have to take on everyone's opinion is just really tiring and draining I, emotionally. I totally relate to that because when I made the decision that I was going to donate my kidney, I said to my husband, I'm like, we are telling no one. I don't, I'm not interested. This is a decision that I made with you, with my parents. I don't want to hear anybody else's opinion. And right. I think it was probably the best thing for me because when I did, you know, even that morning when, you know, I, I sent a couple of texts at five in the morning, just to people that I wanted to make sure heard it from me. And even then I got some like iffy, you know, so I totally get that. It's something that, you know, you're so excited about, you finally feel so resolved and, you know, it's a lot to take on. I totally, I think though, in those moments, like, um, people are the most, I would say the most brave. You're definitely, you're jumping, you feel like you're jumping without a parachute in a, yeah. in a lot of ways, but then it catches you and then you get stronger every time you, you know, it's, it's very much like a pregnancy type of thing. You know, yeah. you don't tell someone or you tell someone who's trying and they, you know, it's like, there's so many moments like that in life, but it feels so good to just own, to just own it. Whatever people are going, whatever people are going through, you know, it's mm -hmm. just a good lesson to just own your decision and then however people respond is, is not your issue. It's yes. There's there's, what know. was it like telling your parents and your sister, who I know you're very, very close with. Yeah. My parents knew that this was going to happen eventually. So I think they were just like, okay, they had to swallow it, but they were definitely happy for me. My sister was, she also knew that this was a big possibility. And, um, I have to say in the end, I hope she hears this. Sometimes absence, you know, makes the heart grow fonder and, and, uh, and I think that our relationship has improved in many ways, even though we were very close and we still are, it's slowly taking on a new sort of relationship, which is 
really magnificent and beautiful and truthful and it's really special you know you just like cherish the moments that you can speak to one another and just face facetime is everything baby you know yeah, what i'm saying like, for sure 2021 it makes life so much easier in so many ways and how is it having your brother there and being able to kind of like be in his life physically whereas you didn't have that for a while right so me and my brother were super close when we were younger and so now that we're together it's like oh my god he's hilarious he's He's the one who runs Stetzel. And so we're like two peas in a pod when we're together. It's just so much fun. He loves that I'm here, obviously. What can I say? <laughs> but I love that that he's here. I go over sometimes to just look like sleep over if I drop off a kid or whatever. It's like, it's so beautiful. He's The listeners can't see, but I'm rocking my Stetzel wear right now. Hey! <laughs> Tell nice. us a little bit about that and about your involvement in it. My brother started this company called Stetzel. And it's just about, as I really like to say, he makes fun of me that I literally always say this, but it's about unity within diversity. So like a lot of people come from so many different places, have so many, like their own truth, you know, everyone has their own perception of, of life and all this stuff. And actually now what's happening in, in Israel is also a beautiful example that no matter who you are or what you are going through or what your truth is, right? You come together as human, like in as a as a human. I'm saying this all wrong. Let's start over. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. <clears throat> he's gonna yell at me if I say it like this because he's like, "That's not what Stethel is." <laughs> I'm like, "Well, I can't help you then." <laughs> okay. I'll start over. Okay. So the way Stethel started was my brother had this vision that of my grandmother who was in the Holocaust and she came from a shtetl pre pogroms and all that stuff. And everyone in the shtetl sort of had their own thing. There was like a baker, a tailor, a shoemaker, you know, all these people who had like specific roles who were passionate about their role and who were experts in, in what they did specifically. And everyone all came together in these small communities and they all contributed in their own way, you know, their own special way. So the same thing for, you know, people in today's day and age, you know, everyone contributes in the best way that they know how with what they were created with in their, their own very special, special way. So bringing people together. It's awesome. And it's very, very cool stuff. It's not like, Thanks, typical. it's very cool. I love all of it. Thanks. So tell us what is the, since you're a bucket list checker offer, what's the craziest bucket list thing that you're like, no, no, I'm not waiting. This is happening. And you went into what's it. my next bucket list. What's the craziest one? Um, got? the craziest one. Honestly, I still am on my marathon days. My marathon day, the, the fact that I ran the New York city marathon that was the craziest thing for me because never in my whole life would I ever think that I would run period. Right. And I knew I had to do it because my mother ran it three freaking times. Okay. And I just was so totally inspired by her. And so the first time I ran three miles, okay, which at the time seemed completely impossible. It sounds impossible to me. That's it. I'm signing up. I don't care. I got to get this done. I, the bucket list is calling. And <laughs> I, 
you know it's funny i watched um oh god what's that frozen 2 you're going to laugh i'm excited and there's a song in there that i swear spoke to my soul okay <laughs> i actually cried in the theater watching it because i seriously felt like this she's like there's a voice that's calling me and na 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 that voice that voice is my bucket list voice <laughs> it doesn't leave me alone it just sings in my ear until it happens so the marathon was calling me <laughs> ah, tomorrow you gonna run the marathon so i just i did it and it was on it was the training was harder than the actual marathon because it, it was a total mind f for right. real getting through the training so that was the craziest thing that i'd done i think does your husband ever look at you and say like, what are you doing? Okay, great question. A lot of people don't know that my husband is just as crazy as I am, <laughs> if not crazier. And he ran, so he knew that I was running the New York City Marathon and he's also a runner. He's, he's very quiet, he's my quiet lion. He does yeah. a lot of big things that no one knows about. He ran the Yonkers Marathon. Does anyone know what the Yonkers Marathon is? Never. Nobody, because nobody was there okay it was literally like him and maybe a hundred other people and yonkers is hilly so hilly yeah and he ran 26.2 miles in a hilly on a hilly rainy cold day without training for it that's crazy without training without training and i like this part of the story the best is that when he was done and he wasn't coming home i like where were you and I found out that he got a haircut afterwards. <laughs> so it's no big deal. Just run no, 26 no miles, pop in for a haircut. Literally trained my whole life for that stinking marathon. Yeah. What was the most fun thing that you've done from that list? Um, I think the surfing is so fun. Is that like, always something you've always wanted to try or that was like a more recent addition? It's like, I, it's like I'm in New Jersey and I see someone on Instagram surfing in another world. I mean, I would never think that I'm like, that's really the coolest thing, but not in my lifetime because right. when am I going to be doing that? Like I live on, you know, I live in Teaneck. So, and I'm scared of the, I'm scared of the ocean, to be <laughs> honest. I'm like terrified of sharks. Right. And so when I came here, I know it's a surf town because there's a lot of uh, beaches around me. And um, this girl who I'm really good friends with here that I became good friends with, she's a, a big surfer. She would go out alone all the time. She, she still does for years. And so I was working out with her and she goes, Tamar, it's enough already. You got to get out there and start surfing with me. And this is in the middle of winter. And so what did I do? The dumb voice. Ah. <laughs> I, she gives me a name of, of like an instructor. And I started surfing in December. Okay. December. Was it freezing? Was the water cold? Okay. The, the magic of a wetsuit is like a, a legitimate superhero suit. You feel yeah. nothing. <laughs> I was like splashing and I'm like, Oh my God, I feel nothing. It's like, it was the coolest thing. The water was like ice. <clears throat> and so I just went for it, man. I just went for it. And she was so good. Cause she would really, she, Whenever there were waves, she'd be like, let's go. And so I would just, I would just go. And that was that. I just, I'm still just going. It's crazy. Do you, do you feel like maybe you're a little bit fearless or do you fight hard to overcome the fear? 
Okay, another really good question. Hard hitting questions. <laughs> I don't think about it. I, I put, position myself into a, a safe space. So for example, with the surfing thing, I only go with someone who I feel confident, like they know what they're doing. So I'll just follow the confident person. And then I, I am fearless in that way. You know, it's it's not like I'm doing a lot of things by myself. I follow within the footsteps of other fearless people. She also goes like into um, this Arab village right next door to us. And she, she surfs through their like their reef spot also. And I'm like, dude, um, I was just like, is this cool? She's like, yeah, don't worry about it. Why are you so scared? I'm like, I don't know because I don't, I don't think a lot of people go here. So I'm like, I guess it's cool. Let's just go. And so we go, you know, <laughs> so I'm only fearless when I'm around fearless people. I think that's a great piece of advice because how many things in life do people not do or not take a risk on because of fear, right? It's like one of the biggest things that stop people from doing, like, I don't know how to ride a bicycle and how many times have I tried and tried and I'm honestly terrified of falling and breaking myself like that. Oh my God holds me back, you know, but you gotta get on that bicycle. Okay. I'm going to make this bicycle thing happen. I know everyone says everyone says into that a little bit more Aviva. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I'm going to be that lady, uh, riding a tricycle all around town proudly. You but just need padding, get like, get like, um, football gear and yeah. just like drive yourself up. You know, it's like attack dogs who have like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just wrap yourself in a mattress or something like a, a saw, a foam top. You know, it's crazy. It's the, it's the balance that just gets me every time. And I'm so terrified of it. And really what is the worst that could happen? So I'll fall, you know, but it's. The truth is that you need, your problem is, is because you need momentum. The faster you go, the easier it is to balance. Right. Right. But that's scary. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Yeah. You got to think you're going to fall, but that's good. It's good to fall. So great. Do your kids share that same level of fearlessness or maybe too much fearlessness? No, they think, um, maybe they my think son. You're crazy? No, they definitely don't think I'm crazy. I think that this is going to be one of the situ- these situations where they're watching, you know, they think I'm like a loser, you know, like, oh yeah, my mom's like, oh, sorry, oh, you're one of those people, you know, like that. <laughs> it's so funny because they should really think that you're like the coolest mom ever, but no. like, cause you're their mom, you have to be the biggest loser. Uh, oh, I'm such a loser, <laughs> such a loser. Anyway, so they're, I know they're watching and that's all that I need them to do. I don't need their approval for anything. You know, they're Good kids. They'll understand one day. Good for you. What, what has we're not, been, we're not doing this best friend parenting thing, you know, like I don't need to be their best friend. They can just approve or not approve. It's all good. How has the adjustment to, um, moving across the world been and to a completely different culture and, um, way of life? If you're asking me, I would say exhilarating, adventurous, and totally exciting, and like it, it, I feel renewed. Okay. I feel like I have new eyes, which is a beautiful thing. But, um, for my, for some children more than others, it's very, very, very difficult. You know, they miss what they're accustomed to. They miss their friends. They miss Sammy's pizza. (laughs) I 
swear if I have to hear, do you know I brought back Sammy's Big ZD from America when I came to visit? That's so um, crazy because what I wouldn't do to have some pizza hot from Israel, like it's know, so right? ridiculous. <laughs> Grass is always greener, baby. True story. Um, but they, the one thing that they all do really like is their independence, which they now really have. So that's something that I'm just so happy that they have. That's all I ever wanted. Does that just come naturally from moving there? Like, did you as a parent, I mean, maybe you're that type of parent, but like, did you have to let go of all of that? Like, I look at my friends and people who live in Israel and they're like, you know, I, my youngest is, is eight and a half and like eight and a half, they're like full grocery shopping by themselves. They're babysitting babies like they're, and I like can't even leave her home alone for five <laughs> seconds. Like I won't let her walk home from the corner from the bus stop. Like does totally. That, does that just happen when you get there? Like you land and you're like, oh, this is just a new way of life. Or did you have to like, let go? Oh, definitely. It's so funny. Um, yeah, I had to, it definitely is a cultural thing for sure. Um, I will never forget the first time Kyla, like one of my children was like at a, a, a play date, you know, quote unquote play date. And I called the mom. I'm like, what time should I come get her? And she's like, oh no, honey, that's not the way this works. <laughs> it's not how we do it here. <laughs> no, you just leave them and then they'll walk home or, you know, like whenever they're done, they'll just like, they'll walk home. Like you don't have to like plan it. It just like, you want to go home, you know, like, like that. And I was like, I had to actually like calm my nerves when my kids were out for so long. I was like, don't call the mom. Don't call the mom. <laughs> you know? When they need something, they'll call me or they'll come home. So it, that was really funny. We, I actually live in like a really central part of town. So it's very easy to walk to stores and things. So that was not hard for me to let go. She's like, hey, go, you know get me something from there. Yeah. There. Yeah. I think it's, it's a huge thing that is definitely missing from our culture here. Like we're so on top of every one of our kids movements. Like my oldest just got his license and like, you know, he asked, I'm always like, okay, he's driving to school. Text me when you get there. And if he doesn't text me, it's like, well, it's okay. Cause I could follow him on the app and I saw exactly how he drove there and what speed he was going and everything. And it's like, it's probably suffocating, you know? Well, yes, but the, the big difference, and it's a truth, is that obviously anything can happen here in Israel. Like, let's be real. It's still, like, people are still people, right? Yeah. But there there is just a sense of community, even though I don't necessarily know who my neighbors are, you know, like, it just really feels like everyone is your family. And I don't have to say that. I feel like a lot of people know that about Israel, but like someone in the grocery store will be like, cover your kid's hat or like, are you sure your kid is okay? Like everyone's sort of looking out for everyone's children. So it doesn't feel like some random person is going to like steal your kid. Yeah. It's or, not as terrifying all the time. No, it's just, you, there's really a sense of community amongst it's, the Jews here. So. It's funny because it would almost seem counterintuitive, right? Like I've always thought like when you go visit Israel, like tensions are high and crazy things can happen and like crazy things that, I mean, can happen anywhere, but it's like a different type. But all of the times I've been there, like you just feel like a sense of calm and like, even when things are heightened. Are giving a lot, they're going to give it a lot more responsibility and there's a lot more like, um, 
um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're respected differently, like by, from other adults also, right? Like if, if an eight-year-old walked into a store here, it would be like, oh my God, call the police. Whose kid is this? Like, yeah, here it's like, oh, what do you need for your mom? You know, like, it's just such a different. I don't, I honestly, I, I, I'm trying to find the words to pinpoint it, but I think there's an honesty here of some sort, like a yeah. realness and it's very strict and and I think that kids are, I said before, just are given a lot more responsibility and there's just like a real world factor and like in terms of um, the quality of your life and what it, what it means to be alive here, you know, and live here that, I don't know, this isn't making any sense. I need to start over. No, it is. It, it does. It does. What, um, how has the adjustment been though to your kids going to school for 15 minutes as opposed to for a full day? <laughs> you know, they might go to school for 15 minutes, but they go to school on Sunday and Friday and they are not happy about that. It's so they're only for, home one day. They're only off one day a week and that's- They're sad. off zero, only on Shabbat. Only on Shabbat. How has yeah. that, that adjustment's been hard? There's no Saturday night. There's no like- No, for a while there we had Friday off and that was amazing because like our Thursday night was Saturday night. Yeah. Um, but they got rid of that because now everything's opening up and whatnot. So listen, there are definitely tears. There's a lot of, there's a lot of tears. I think everything is glorious and dandy, but yeah. on the days when your kid's hysterically crying, why do I want to go to school? Goes to school on Friday, goes to school on Sunday. I don't want to go to school. And, and a lot of times you just have to say, okay, you, you don't have to go to school or like right. we'll plan for you not to go to school that day or, you know, or too bad, you're going to school, like this right. is life, you know? Do you rather go to school till four? Come on, honey, get it together. Right, it's so true, it's so true. So what do they do all afternoon, your kids? Oh, that's a million dollar question. That's the million, that's what you should open up with. What do your kids do every day after school? My kids- <laughs> um, What time does at, school end for them? Um, one, 12.55 for my eight or seven-year-old. And three days a week, 140 for the, my olders, my elders. Um, Lunchtime. <laughs> so my, my two, my younger ones are in kickboxing and which is amazing. It's like self-defense. It's awesome. And then my daughter does this, um, you know, it's like hamster wheel thing. Yeah. It's called Galanak or something. Okay. And so she's in that hoog and my daughter does ceramics and sewing it's really just like, it's amazing in that way. So cool. They get exposure to all of these other things that no one really has time for when you get home from school at close to five and you have to do homework and you have to do all of that. And then now they have all this time. Okay. I, I mean, let's talk about the education system here for a second. Okay. There is, there's nothing really happening. Like it's glorified. It's, it's really not great. At least where I live. I know in many other places, the education system is better. And that's something that we have to swallow here living like in this particular place. Yes. Um, I have to really just know that I don't think my kids are learning anything. That's but they're tough. learning life, right? Like they're. They're learning life and it's their first year here. Right. It's totally their first year here. I mean, I'm very um, laid back about that because there's a lot to take in and everything's in Hebrew. You know, like, what are they supposed to do? Yeah. Were your, were your kids resistant to the move? Um, I think naturally, yes and no, miss their cousins and their grandparents and all that, but I think they were excited about the adventure for sure. Yeah. Tell us about the pigs. 
freaking boar, man. We have wild boar in my backyard. There's like they 15 ro- that are dangerous. And they just roam and around? They just come and roam around and destroy everything. I think they're half blind. Oh my God. By the way. And they break all my pots, like my planter pots outside. And my dogs like to run after them and attack them. It's really scary, actually. What was the uh, what was the big to do with getting your dogs to Israel when you had everything else set? Aviva, I can't. I just originally they said they can't bring them. Then I said I'm not going to accept that answer because that's illegal. Okay, they're like therapy dogs, and they are. I have the papers to prove it. Okay. <laughs> no, it was just like a whole thing, and Corona. It was just a nightmare. They were just like, no, you can't bring them. And then after much, much fighting and veterinarian bills. <laughs> we got them on the plane Baruch Hashem have they noticed a difference do you think my dogs are so happy yeah <laughs> they run on the beach they run in the backyard they my husband takes them on trails at trail runs every day wow crazy and um I'm not gonna I really sometimes have to pinch myself and be like is this real it's so crazy which brings me to my next point with my hustle right yes I feel like I almost lost my hustle a little bit because I've been seeking and seeking and trying to keep myself so busy. You know, when I lived in America, water my own freaking grass. And I really feel like an abundance. I feel so, I really feel like my soul is, my cupeth overfloweth. <laughs> Baruch Hashem. That I really just don't know what to do next in terms of my career. I'm doing some social media managing stuff, which is great. But I I should get back into my training, you know, is my that, backbone. Is that your plan to to do that for your career? I don't have a plan future. right now. Okay. That's Which okay. is crazy. It's throwing me into a tailspin of even help. <laughs> it's great though, because you're finally in a place where you feel fulfilled. So you don't need all of Oh the- honey, I need. I need, okay. Those grocery bills are expensive in this country. My That's God. Sorry, That is a true story. But at least you don't have to pay for school, right? I do not have to pay for school, but I did get in trouble the other last week for spending like, I think I spent like $800 in a week on groceries. Is that yeah. insane? Groceries are expensive. That's I, felt, I feel like shekels are like not real money. Not real money, for sure. It's monopoly <laughs> money. Oh, you want a, th- you know, 1,200 shekels here. Ding! <laughs> take it it's not real but then it's real and then I'm like why did I give them my money that's so great have you um in all of your in all of your jobs and your journeys and whatever have you ever felt like um people were were you know putting you down or saying like no you can't do that you're not you're not enough to do any of the things that you dream you dreamt of or was it just like you just were like I don't I don't take that Right. I think that my position in life is always like it's happening. And I don't think I give many people the room to shed their, their opinion on me. And when they do, you can ask my sister. <laughs> it's not always received very well. It just, I'm just very firm in what I, what I want to do. And I, like, I really believe in it. There's no, there's no, no wavering. Yeah. Wavering. Thank you. Sure. So I think, um, yeah, that's just a part of who I am, which has served me. Thank God. So what's the next, uh, next thing on your bucket list that that, uh, voice is telling you? 
Oh, just going back to what you said before, yeah, sure. like what, um, you know, the negativity of what other people might think or whatever. I really believe in my brain that it doesn't exist. You know, like if I want to do something like it, there's no option for anything else. So it almost confuses me when people ask me, well, what if it doesn't work out? You know, or what if this or that? And I, I just can't, I can't even relate to it. Where does that come from though? Like, where do you have that? Is that something that, you know, your mom or your dad or someone like, where do you get that drive that you don't let other people's opinions, negativity, anything affect you? I know this is like, it's almost like a therapy maybe feeling for a moment, but for so long, really like my whole, my whole youth in school, I really had no confidence in my abilities in, in school, right? I was really not a good student. I didn't feel confident in any of those things. That was a big chunk of my life, right? As you know, school is like your whole life until you're 20 something. Yeah. And I had no confidence in it. I felt really shitty about myself. And naturally I compensated in my life. Maybe it was my, you know, personality or whatever. Just, I really just, asserted myself in a, in a different sort of way and I think that as I got older that sort of just kept growing stronger and stronger and I kept proving myself over and over that I was capable of doing things especially like work related that's why like I think work always gave me so much um, joy and happiness because if I wanted to get a job or like do the job I I was able to and that always surprised me you know and yeah. over time it just it slowly stopped surprising me. And I started just believing that I was just capable of doing things that I wanted to do. And um, so now as a 37 year old, I think that I'm just over, you know, over all of that. And it's just a part of my, my genes at this point, like my chromosomes. I just like made it that way. I manifested it that way. That's the word I like to use. It's so incredible. And it's such an amazing example that you're setting for your children. Um, I saw a quote that said, uh, the only person who's, who believes you can't do it is you, right? And that's like something that I think, I know I struggle with, I'm sure many people struggle with, and it's pretty incredible to hear that that's something that you've been able to, you know, overcome and, and go for it in everything in your life because you believe you can. Right. But I mean, there are things that I, I can't, uh, many things that I can't do that I seriously, seriously struggle with, you know? I have extremely poor organizational skills, extremely poor. I'm all over the place in, in many ways. You know, to every pro, there's, to every good quality, there's definitely a heavy negative one for me. And so, but the, but the thing is actually living here and because I'm not working, I'm faced with a lot of those things that I'm not good at. And it's slowly catching up with me, which is definitely a time. So you asked me what's my next bucket list yeah. thing. And I think the thing is, is just being good at everyday life, you know, that I maybe have run away from working and just trying to figure out like, what I'm going to do next? You know, like, it's just being here and now just dumb things like, you know, running a household in an organized mm -hmm. manner and making sure the kids have clothes in the morning and dinner on the table at a timely manner. That's, that's literally like 90% of what really matters in life. And so I'm going to try and work on that. I think it's also a really big part to know what you, 
you know, when, when you recognize the things that you're not good at and either you can decide to focus on them and make them better or outsource them or whatever, but being aware is a huge, is a huge part of it. Wow. Aviva, if you live near me and I know you don't do this really, I don't think anymore, but I would totally have hired you to organize my whole life. <laughs> yeah. I don't, really do, I don't really do organizing. Cause I'll tell you the honest truth. I am really good at accumulating, not so good at purging. I, I, weird, um, weird associations and feelings about stuff, which is silly, but I'm working on it. I am definitely working on it. Get rid of it. That's all I have to say. That's my advice. Yeah. Throw it out. I know it's so true. Like what's going to happen? Worst case it's gone. It'll be it's okay. Feeling in the whole world. Yeah. Actually, I, I'm detached to a fault, I think also. So that also makes things like doing things easier. Cause I'm not attached. Yeah. So that's whatever. Great. Tamara, this has been really, really awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, I personally love following your journey on your Instagram page. So if you would, please tell my listeners, our listeners, where they can find you. First, I want to say thank you, Aviva. You're such a delight. You've always been a shining light. Every time you walk in the Tallulah doors, I feel like I really got to know you when, when I was there. And you also are just beaming with positivity. And I love your message with the renew, re, right? The, oh my God, I'm saying this wrong. Renewal. Say, say the whole thing. Renewal. It's crazy that you just were like, I'm going to give away my kidney. Hooray. <laughs> and like made that normal for you. But I have to say that it's moments like this is people like you, where I really feel like Hashem gives everyone something special to, you know, to every individual. And this was your this is one of many of the special things that Hashem gave to you and you saw it within yourself and you, you did something about it. It, you know, you heard the voice too. Yeah. You heard that, ah, that was your voice. And I think that if people were more in tune with that voice, the world would be a, a much happier, loving place. So thank you so much for having me on this podcast. Those if you want to follow me. Very wise words. Thanks. Tomorrow underscore Hersko. Thank you so much for having me. I will put that all in the notes so everyone can find you. Thank you so much for coming on tomorrow. Welcome. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of A Piece of Me. If you enjoyed it, please hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Seriously, it'll make me do a happy dance. Join me again next time as we continue to share more and more pieces of us. I'm Aviva Breda, and this is a piece of me.